Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast, the podcast that might get a little bit gross on this episode, maybe a little bit, <laughs> Um, and I say that because I came across something on my Twitter that kind of sparked my interest in this week's episode, and it was, I follow the San Francisco Giants on Twitter, right? They're my favorite team. Of course, I'm going to follow them on their social media. That's not out of the ordinary. So, but what Twitter does, oh shit, shit, shit my chair. All right, we're good, we're good. What Twitter does is that if you follow something or if you interact with something, like say you interact with Barbara Streisand or you interact with Stephen A. Smith, They'll show you tweets on the Explore page that will um, that'll be relevant to what they think you like. So I follow the Giants. I interact with the Giants. So they show me tweets that are relevant to the San Francisco Giants sometimes. And what happened was I was on my Twitter, on the Twitter for iPhone app, like the official app. Not like one of the tweet bot apps, you know what I mean? I was on the Twitter app and... What happened was there was a post saying, because you like the San Francisco Giants, you might like this tweet. And it was a tweet and the caption was like, getting ready and I'm going to watch the Giants game before I leave for my date tonight. Something like that. And the picture that was attached to it, it was literally a naked woman like just chilling in bed like it was like legitimately porn and the person who posted it was a porn star i'm not mad at that but it was like oh it was it wasn't like gross to me it was like kind of funny that because i like the san francisco giants i'd also like porn um so be that gave me the idea to you know review a porn podcast because I had come across a podcast, it's a newer part podcast called Girls on Porn, where um, two women and sometimes a guest review porn. And But when I came across it, it only had like two or three episodes, so I didn't want to, um, to link it or to review it um, right away because it was still young. They're getting their legs under them. And, you know, sometimes podcasts aren't good right away, so I didn't want to review a podcast that only had like two or three episodes under its belt. So I decided to review Girls on Porn, and I'm going to just get into it now. Usually I wait until the end, but we're getting to this in the first three minutes. My goodness. But I was reviewing Girls on Porn. I was listening to Girls on Porn. And mind you, I hadn't listened to Girls on Porn since I first found it. So I came back to it this week. And one thing that bothered me about Girls on Porn when I first listened to it is that they were talking about, you know, girls and the porn stars, the actresses, and they made mention several times that the actress, the porn star in the video or in the the porn film that they were watching looked like a real woman. And when they meant by real woman is that it's not a porn star. It, there's no like fake boobs or plastic surgery. They're not like, you know, perfectly skinny or anything like that. And I understand what they meant, but and how, that they mean well when they say that. But when people say that, it always like, oh, 
You're saying that these other people aren't real because they chose to do something with their body. And people who typically are against body shaming, like, go pretty hard into body shaming when they say that. Um, and I know that that's like something that means well. It's like something that means well. You're saying like, I want to see representation of all body types in my pornography, in my film. I get that. But the phrase real woman when comparing... You know, someone who maybe isn't an established porn star to someone who is an established porn star is, I think, problematic when it comes to the body shaming thing. And if you're into body shaming um, or you're, if you're not into body shaming, I should say, then you shouldn't be uh, saying that. But that's just my opinion. Um, if you claim to love, you know, everybody, and I mean that as two words, not one, then maybe you shouldn't say real woman as compared to a porn star. But anyway, that wasn't the only thing that was confusing to me because on Girls on Porn, and I will give them credit, the whole real woman thing was from an earlier episode. And in the episode I listened to recently, I didn't hear anyone say that phrase. So maybe they got some similar feedback and stopped saying it. But what the other thing that bothered me or confused me is that they were saying that we're reviewing porn for your spank bank, the listener's spank bank, right? And I don't think I have the same definition of spank bank as they do because spank bank is like, um, what I thought spank bank was, was like your actual real life sexual experiences. Like if you are, you know, alone and you don't have anyone to have sex with, then you go back on your real life sexual experiences to, you know, get the job done. But the way they use Spank Bank is like the porn that you rely on. Like if you can't find a new video, you can have a safe porn haven with full of videos that you can fall back on, that you can rely on. And I don't think that's the same definition. I, I always thought that spank bank, and maybe it's just because I'm an idiot, that it was like, oh, the real life experiences that you had can be, you know, called back upon to get the job done when it needs to be. I'm actually going to look up the definition of spank bank. So Urban Dictionary, um, the first the first definition on Urban Dictionary has two. The first one is my definition, a memorable collection of mental images that one wishes to retain for masturbational purposes. And then the second one is a collection of porn. That's the top definition on Urban Dictionary. And let's see, the second definition is more like my definition. Um, yeah, the third definition, memories of men or women that you've had interactions with that can be um used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so the second definition is the one that girls on porn uses for their spank bank. And my definition and what seems like the majority definition is not that and they make that part of their tagline like porn for your spank bank. Maybe you should change that. I also feel like spank bank is a weird phrase, but then again, a lot of things in porn are weird and they kind of sound gross when you're not talking about them in a pornographic context. And I probably shouldn't be talking about this because this probably will ruin my employability for the next 10 years of my life. But 
I thought it would be a fun thing to do. Um, so yeah, but girls on porn, what they do is they're two women, they review porn, they talk about like different categories, like different search Im- images. So like lesbian, threesome, anal, like they'll go through those search images or search terms, I should say. And I think that I don't know how limited or unlimited that could be. Like, I feel like there's only, like, a finite amount of categories that, like, people are really searching on. And it's only a matter of time before you get into, like, the the racial categories. And that might be problematic because as far as we've come with racism, with as many strides as we made with racism and trying to be as least problematic as possible, there's always the porns that fall under racial stereotypes and you know what i mean like whether it's having sex with a black guy or a latina or an asian or an indian woman there's always like it always falls under the stereotypes it reinforces the stereotypes that already always exist or already existed and it just you know keeps them going for the sake of porn and for the sake of your personal fantasy And I think that's, you know, it's something that we could probably work on. I feel like I don't know how if porn cares that it's, you know, kind of lagging behind in the racism department. But um, it's there and it's, you know, it's it's there. And I'm concerned about, you know, girls on porn since they do their episodes based on search term and based on categories that... There's only a matter of time before all they're left with is the racial categories. And then you have to get into more complex search terms, which can be educational, but it might not be um, what people want to listen to or what the majority of the audience wants to listen to. Um, But overall, I will say that the podcast was enjoyable. I think the most recent episode at time of this recording was about machines, like fucking machines. If you don't know what fucking machines is, um, imagine a dildo. I'm sure you know what a dildo is. And then imagine that dildo attached to a machine that can pleasure your vagina or your butthole or your mouth or other things. And the machine does all the work. The machine basically takes place for... You know, the penis haver of the relationship. Um, That's what a machine or like a fucking machine is. And they go into like the history of, you know, sex toys and machines and like the thoughts of, you know, having sex with a machine. And that's pretty interesting. It's pretty educational stuff that I didn't know personally. But and I have water here just to keep me um, hydrated. But as like it's educational as far as i didn't know but it also got me thinking of things other than porn like i'll tell you, i was listening to like this conversation about machines and like would you have sex with a machine and they were saying that like um like one in four men would have sex with a machine or they the people that surveyed one in four men said they would have sex with a machine and that was like okay um I don't know how many samples there are, but I feel like that number 25% of men isn't entirely accurate. And then I started thinking, and I've had this thought for a while now, but I started thinking more and more about it. Like, do you think 
that when robots take over the world, because they are going to take over the world, when robots take over the world, do you think that robots would be racist to other robots? Like, think about it. Like, if you have, like, the Apple robots, right? The Apple robots are going to be all sleek and white and pristine. And then you have, like, a Toshiba robot. A Toshiba robot is probably not as sleek. It might be more functional than an Apple robot as I sit here across from my Apple computer and next to my Apple iPhone. Um, It'll probably be more functional than an Apple robot, but... The Apple robot, I can easily see them discriminating against um, Toshiba robots. And I also can see, um, like, once robots take over the world, they're going to make more of the robots. Like, they're going to learn how to make more of themselves. So I can easily see a less functional but prettier Apple robot being the master race and um, taking over all the other robots. And I was also thinking, like, what if they make their own religion? Like, you know, how, like people make like Harry Potter religions and stuff like that. What if like Siri becomes God? And what if like Alexa becomes another God? And there's two religions in the war on robots that's eventually going to happen when they take over the world. That's what I was thinking about. Um, but anyway, back to girls on porn. I will say that... They tried to get, like, the non-mainstream porn to review. Like, they were talking about porn and actresses and directors that I've never heard of. Personally, I don't know any porn directors. I know some porn stars. I don't know any porn directors' names at all. Um, But they were talking about, like, the location, the director, and the art style. And it got me thinking, like, I don't think I've ever watched a full porn video. Like... In its entirety, with no skip-throughs, no fast-forwarding, I don't think I've ever watched a full porn video. I don't think that, but, like, I don't think I need to. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't need a 30-minute video. <laughs> like, like sometimes it'll be, like, 30 minutes. It's like, I only need seven. Like, I don't need to be here all night watching this 30-minute video um, because, like, it's unnecessary. Like all, a lot of this other stuff is unnecessary. And listening to girls on porn, and it's clear that they watch the whole video. And then to varying degrees, the hosts enjoyed the video. It got me thinking like, wow, someone worked on the lighting, the directing, the acting. They worked hard to create a 30 minute plus long video. And I just haven't been appreciating that. Um, and it made me feel bad for these directors that I n- never knew about. Like, that I don't know their names. Like, they put in a lot of work. And people like me only watch half the video at most. That's crazy. But Girls on Porn, you know, it's pretty good. I think it did get better from when I first listened to it. And again, like, the the complaint about the real woman remark, I think that... I don't know if they fixed it or if they stopped saying it. But they definitely didn't say it on the the most recent episode. And we all like porn. Like, I was thinking about it, like, because the title is Girls on Porn. And my concern with listening to it is, like, I don't want to be in public and someone sees my phone and they see I'm listening to something called Girls on Porn. Because that's kind of embarrassing, right? (coughs) Excuse me. Because we all like porn or most of us like porn. And most of us have watched porn 
but it's kind of like a secret thing. Like the stuff that you're into is not what everyone is into necessarily. So it's kind of like a private thing, something that we that we keep to ourselves and we only talk to our closer or close-ish friends about it. So porn is like, I don't want it to be on my phone on display. So I had to listen to girls on porn in the safety of my own home when no one's going to be um, looking over my shoulder, seeing that that's what I'm listening to. But it is, you know, an interesting concept. And I think that it can go far. I'm just worried about the limitation of the topics that they can talk about. And will they repeat topics? I guess you can repeat topics because there's different videos. But it seems like they're going one by one through all the topics. And there's only a finite amount of porn topics that they can talk about. But I'd say it's pretty solid. I give it like Right now, I give it like a 6.5 out of 10, but some episodes I believe would be probably better than others, like depending on what you're into. Like the Machines episode is probably like a 6 out of 10, because I don't care about Machines like that. But maybe if it was like, you know, Threesome or something like that, something that's more mainstream, that's probably like a better topic for more people. So that topic is probably ranked higher than the machine episode you know what i mean but it's not bad by any means i don't want you to believe that girls on porn is bad it's just maybe more of a private experience um but anyway talked enough about porn in the beginning we'll probably talk about porn at the end because i had an idea for two podcasts review today one of them was girls on porn which i spent a lot of time talking about the other one is a surprise You'll have to wait and see. But that'll come at the end. I have a couple names in mind for this episode also. Like, usually the name comes to me after. Like, after I talk about all the shit I want to talk about. After I go through everything. What was, like, the main highlight or what might be funny. I come up with a name that way. But for this one, I have a couple names in mind. Some of them are grosser than others. We'll see which one I stick on the title of this but anyway pod notes podcast notes i have technically been podcasting for a year even though this is only episode 22 i believe technically i've been almost a year of podcasting and i'm thinking of switching my host because i've been using just cast to host my podcast that's where the rss feed is that's where everything is and it's coming up on a year And I'm going to have to pay another $50. And I'm thinking of switching my hosting to Anchor. Not that JustCast is bad, but I don't think that it's worth $50 if Anchor is seemingly free. If Anchor isn't free, then we'll have to do something else. But Anchor is the reason why the podcast is on Spotify. And I use the Anchor RSS feed instead of the JustCast one. I'm going to have to, you know, do some... You know, edits, making sure that everything is ported over from my JustCast RSS feed to my Anchor RSS feed. But I think that's what I'm going to do. So by the time this episode is up, I might be an Anchor podcast. What is a podcast? Might be an Anchor-hosted podcast. Um, Anchor.fm, by the way, if you don't know. That's like a podcast website, podcast app, all that stuff. Um But I'm thinking of switching over, migrating over, just so I don't pay that extra money. 
And Anchor, they claim that they can give you advertisements or that they'll work with giving you advertisers, which is cool. Um, And if I make money off of this, then that's great because right now I'm not making money off of this. But it's I think it's the right move. I did JustCast and I am appreciative of JustCast. I've used JustCast to get on Apple, on Google Play, on other websites, um, Stitcher, all that stuff. Um, but I think it's time to make the change. It's no hard feelings, but it is cold, hard cash. And I'm not trying to spend another $50. Even if it is once a year, money is money. You know what I mean? Like Mr. Krabs says, I like money. So I'm going to do that. Um, but anyway, I have to talk about sports because sports happened. Can you believe it? Sports is happening. Um, hockey is happening. Um, and I'm trying to get into hockey. And I think next year is my year. Um, the Blues are up. The St. Louis Blues, which beat my hometown San Jose Sharks. Even though San Jose is like an hour and a half away from where I live. I beat my hometown San Jose Sharks. But the Blues have the better uniforms. I mentioned this last time. But the Boston Bruins, their uniforms don't do it for me. Like the Pittsburgh Penguins are black and yellow. And the Bruins are like black and yellow, but the Penguins do it so much better. And the Nashville Predators are also black and yellow. And the St. Louis Blues have this like blue, black, and like gold yellow. And it looks really nice. So that's why the Blues are up and I'm rooting for the Blues, even though they beat my hometown team. Um, But that's not really what I wanted to talk about. I'm going to talk about boxing. And I don't even like boxing. Like, I'm the the first person to tell you that I don't watch boxing, I don't watch wrestling, I don't watch MMA, I don't give a fuck about any of that. I like, you know, other sports, I like pretty much any other sport besides, like, boxing, wrestling, MMA, pretty much. Like, I can find interest in any other sport besides those three. But Anthony Joshua, who was undefeated, he's like, you know, a handsome guy from England, that the champion, he had like three belts, which I didn't know you can have three belts at once, but I guess you can. Um, he was fighting this guy named Andy Ruiz from Mexico. And Andy Ruiz is like, he has the same body part as like Paul Blart Mall Cop. Like he was like chubby and he had like, you know, flabby and all that stuff. And he beat Anthony Joshua's ass. Like Anthony Joshua is like the number one boxer or he was a number one boxer he was a champ and he got beat by someone who looks like he hasn't been to the gym literally ever i mean of course he's been to the gym he probably trains as a boxer because you know he does this professionally i'm sure he like goes to the gym and he's like strong and all that stuff he knocked out the champ after all but it doesn't look like he goes to the gym. It doesn't look like he works out. And like that sight to see, you know, it spawned a lot of memes. It spawned a lot of jokes. But I was thinking like, I don't think Anthony Joshua, and again, I don't know much about boxing, but I don't think Anthony Joshua took that dude seriously. Because I'm not going to lie to you and act like I watched the whole fight because I don't care that much. But Anthony Joshua looked just like tired, like he didn't condition properly, like in that fight. And Anthony Andy Ruiz fucked his shit up. And I was also thinking like, if this was a street fight, because Anthony Joshua, he's, you know, he's muscular. He has like a six pack, all that stuff, right? But in a street fight, 
I would have put my money on Andy Ruiz because he's like bigger and sturdier and he could probably beat a lot of people's ass in a street fight. But in boxing, I would have definitely put my money on Anthony Joshua. By the way, Joshua is an unusual last name. I don't think I've ever seen someone with the name Joshua as a last name. I'm actually going to look that up because to see if Anthony Joshua is his actual name or if that's just a stage name. Oh, yes, it is. Anthony Oluwafemi Olaseni Joshua. So his last name is Joshua. That's 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 crazy. Um, Because I've just I've never heard that last name before. Um, His mom is Nigerian. His father is Nigerian and Irish. So I guess Joshua is an Irish last name or people just have the last name Joshua in Ireland. I don't know. But Anthony Joshua, I don't know if he'll live this down. Of course, they're probably going to box again because that's how boxing works. I know like Pacquiao in his heyday, like he had like, you know, Floyd Mayweather and a bunch of other rematches for other people over and over again. And but I still like I can't find see myself caring about boxing. Like when something like this happens in boxing, we care for like a day or two. Like by the time I'm talking about this, people have already moved on. Like they don't care as much anymore. And I feel like boxing used to have like that national presence, but it doesn't anymore. I mean, this guy, this fight was Mexico versus England, basically. So it wasn't even like an American fighter in the ring. But I feel like it, 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 people only care for one day or two, maybe. And I'm talking about it because it was so shocking to me to see that. But in a street fight, I don't think that would be shocking. Like in a street fight where there's no rules, like, of course, like the bigger guy has the advantage. And, you know, he can do what he wants and be, you know, you know, rough and tough and like, you know, pound him to the ground and stuff. In a street fight, he would win, most likely. But... Yeah, it was just crazy. It was just interesting to see the reaction and the memes that came from it. Um, people said that An- Andy Ruiz looked like Ernie from George Lopez. He, they said he looked like a whole bunch of stuff. As far as I know, I'm the only one who compared him to Paul Blart. But he has a Paul Blart mall cop body type, if you aren't familiar. Um, but yeah, basketball is happening still. Um, the Warriors are down, which is crazy. But the Warriors are also very much hurt. Clay is hurt. Kevin Durant is hurt. Kevon Looney, who people, you know, slept on throughout the season, throughout his career, he's hurt and it's a big deal. Um, But I don't think that, like, I'm not saying that to say that there should be an asterisk or anything. What I want to make my point here is that when LeBron had, you know, nobody on his team, right? Excuse me. When LeBron... He was carrying the Cavaliers and when they won the championship or even when they lost to the Warriors. Right. But LeBron was carrying the Cavaliers. People praise LeBron as like this do it yourself type of guy. And it kind of solidified LeBron's legacy as being the best, because even though he was losing, he was, you know, carrying the team on his back. People were considering him the finals MVP, even though it actually went to Andre Iguodala. And now. Like, the sides are kind of flipped. Steph Curry is playing against the Raptors. He's doing it by himself, but he's not 
further solidifying his greatness. It doesn't seem, at least that's not what the discourse is from what I've seen it. It feels like he's doing it by himself and it's not working because they're losing, but people are kind of just saying like, oh, that's what the Warriors get from being so good. They're not solidifying their greatness in the same way. Or Steph Curry himself, because right now it's Steph Curry and Draymond is there, but the rest of the guys are decent players, but they're role players. They're not, you know, the starters that are used to giving you solid minutes in an NBA game. And now it's the finals and you're asking them to give solid minutes in an NBA game. Like the the Warriors have, you know, Quinn Cook and Alfonso McKinney and the general public that like those aren't household names by any means. I mean, Jonas Jerebko, I don't want to disrespect that man at all, but... Jonas Jerebko hasn't had like the seasoning that the Kevin Durant, the Clay Thompson has had. So it's it's a struggle for the Warriors. If they pull it out, it'll be very impressive. Kevin Durant might not play for the rest of the season. Um, and that's sad for Kevin Durant. Like he's going out like this. Like, of course, people already think that Kevin Durant doesn't earn his rings and that he doesn't earn like every accolade he has because he joined the Warriors. But at the end of the day, it's sad that you're going out like this. If he doesn't play again, that's even worse. Um, Of course, you know, he's probably going to go to like the Knicks or the Nets or someone else. But yeah, it just sucks to go out like that. I think anyway. It also sucks that like this is like the last series that the Warriors are playing in Oakland. And as a Bay Area native... Like, I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. I'm an Oakland Raiders fan. So I'm like, my allegiance is all over the place. But I always thought, like, ever since, like, teams have been moving and all that stuff, I always thought that the teams in Oakland should stay in Oakland. Just be- But I think it's because, like, that's how I grew up seeing it. Like, I grew up seeing the Raiders in Oakland. I grew up seeing the Warriors in Oakland. I grew up seeing the A's in Oakland. So to have them move would be like my childhood is, like, finished at that point. Like, the the memories that I have, like, oh, remember when the Warriors used to be in Oakland? Like, that, that's, like, memories now instead of going through it. And I feel like my childhood has seen those Oakland teams. It's, you know, different now. And, like, the vibe of Oakland is different than the vibe of San Francisco. In San Francisco, like, to be honest, like, I love San Francisco. I go to San Francisco frequently. But San Francisco doesn't need the sports teams in the same way that Oakland does. I mean, you can see it in the 49ers. The 49ers play in Santa Clara. That's far as fuck from San Francisco. But that's they still call themselves San Francisco 49ers. But that's another issue. But they don't need that in the same way because San Francisco already has like this reputation of being like kind of cosmopolitan, right? Like being an Oakland fan to me is what I imagine sort of like being like a Pittsburgh fan or like a New York Mets fan or like a Milwaukee fan. It's a more grittier, more hardcore experience. Whereas when you have a fan in a major city or a bigger city like San Francisco or like the Yankees or something like that. Excuse me. Oh my God. It's not a podcast if I don't burp, right? Because I drink so much fucking liquid. But those bigger cities don't need the sports teams as much as the littler cities do because it gives the community something to rally behind. But the big cities, you know, they draw the 
the big money. So of course they're going to have teams. But um, yeah, just it sucks to see teams leave Oakland. Even though like I don't have hardcore allegiance to Oakland teams other than the Raiders and the Raiders are moving. But yeah, it just it just it just feels weird to see teams move from Oakland. And I wish that they could stay. Um, and maybe they'll come back to Oakland. And like, yeah, it just feels strange. Um, speaking of the Raiders, though, did you see that Supreme did a collab with the Raiders and they have like Supreme Raiders tea? It looks kind of clean, actually. I don't own any Supreme stuff. And the Raiders shirt that I saw costs like $130. And I can't justify spending that much on a t-shirt or a polo shirt. But it looks kind of dope. It's like, man, if the Raiders were at least average for like the rest of the decade, they'd be a popular team. Like the Raiders could be popular, more popular than they already are. They're already pretty popular, but more popular than they are like nationally if they were just, you know, decent because last year was not great. But we can come back to greatness. We can make the Raiders great again, um, hopefully. Um, but anyway, Love Island is back. And I can't transition for shit. So I'm just going to do that. But Love Island is back. If you're not familiar with Love Island is, Love Island is like a British reality show. It's kind of like The Bachelor, except there's five girls, five guys on an island, a villa, and they have to partner up with each other. And whoever isn't in a partner like loses and they leave. And whoever gets to stay gets, you know, 50,000 pounds because um, that's British money. Um, and, you know, it's like really, really, really attractive people on Love Island. And it's really, really like trashy, just like trashy reality TV. And I love it. I love it so much. I don't watch The Bachelor. I don't watch a lot of reality TV. But Love Island is my shit. Like, I saw it on Hulu. Because I have, like, the previous four seasons on Hulu. And it's on season five now. Sorry, that was a long sip of water. But <clears throat> we have, you know, season five now. The previous four seasons are on Hulu. And, like, you can watch it on Hulu. And it's a long binge. But you can do it. I, I believe in you. You can binge it if you really tried but it's like it's the beauty of love island is also that it's on every day so there's like 60 episodes a season or whatever but love island they make it hard to watch if you're not in the uk like i i'm not gonna say exactly how i watch it because i don't want to incriminate myself but if you go through the actual like network, because it's on a British network called ITV, the letter I, the letter T, the letter V. And in order to sign up for the website, even to get a free trial, you have to like live in the UK. Like you have to have a UK postal code, a UK credit card, all that stuff. You have to live over there, essentially, or like be from there. And unless you want to like change your VPN or anything like that, they make it hard to watch. And I'm not going to say how savory or unsavory my watching experience is but it comes on every day so i need i need my fix um but i wish they would make it easier for americans to watch cuz i feel like with putting it on hulu they have more american fans now and they can make it easier for americans to watch love island um cuz it's really just like trashy hot british goodness 
It's it's so good. I, I wish that more people would, would watch this. And I know it's coming to America. Like, CBS picked up their own version of Love Island. So, we will be getting Love Island in America soon. I don't know how good it's going to be in America. I also don't know if they're going to show it every night in America. Because American reality TV, like, it comes on once a week, right? Like, they don't show reality TV every day. On Love Island, it's every day. Like, you have Love Island Monday, Love Island Tuesday, Love Island Thursday. It's a daily experience. It's almost like sports. And Love Island, it's it's really trashy. And I don't know if America is willing to get that trashy. And another thing, a good thing about Love Island is that even though it's set in England, there's a variety of accents, right? Like... There's, you know, the North accent, the Welsh accent, the Scottish accent, all those things. And there's like a Scottish narrator who's really funny. But I don't know if they'll have a variety of accents in America. I mean, of course, you know, the East Coast is different, West Coast is different from the South, different from the Midwest. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that, like, it might not be as, you know, difficult to discern the accent as it is in the UK. I feel like a lot of the fun of Love Island is that there's so many different accents at play. But maybe it's just because like I like language and linguistics, so that might just be my thing. But it's coming to America, but I wish they made it easier to watch the British version in America. But it's a really good show, and I suggest that you watch it however you can if you live in America. But there was also something on Love Island that, you know, relates to my personal life. Not that I'm incredibly attractive or British, but they were saying, because on Love Island, you have to pick a girl or a guy to couple up with. You know, you go into the island, you find a hot girl or a hot guy, you become a couple, you kiss, you, you snuggle, all those things. And because there's multiple girls and multiple guys, you can talk to multiple girls and multiple guys, right? And they were saying to this one guy who's trying to talk to two different girls, they're like, yeah, you can't put your eggs in one basket. You know that saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And he was like, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't put all my eggs in one basket because, you know, I have a six pack and I'm British and I can fuck with whoever I want, right? Um, and then I was thinking like in my own life, like, yeah, I shouldn't put all my eggs in one basket. But the problem is, I only have one egg. There's only one egg for me to put into my into a basket. Like I don't have all these options. Like it's cr- like I wish that I had multiple eggs that I can put in multiple baskets. But I only have one egg, and I feel like I want more eggs. I'm trying to get more eggs, but I only have one egg right now. And I mentioned a couple episodes ago. That a girl who I have a crush on, you know, DM'd me on Instagram or replied to my Instagram story. Since then, like, some people take um, Instagram DMs as flirting. And if that's the case, then I've made a pretty big, like, I haven't acted fast enough. I wouldn't say I made a mistake, but I did not um, act fast enough or I could have acted harder than I did. Um, I was just, I'm just trying to, you know play the the long game here um 
but basically since then, I've been trying to like, I've been doing a lot of heat checks. So, because typically what I did on the Instagram story is I would only post one picture per day, usually, right? And what I did, or what I'm doing now, is that I'm posting, you know, actual stories, like actual, you know, things from my life and asking questions and all that stuff, right? And I'm doing that mostly as a heat check to see if this girl that I have a crush on is going to watch my story. (laughs) And I honestly, she has been watching my story. Um, So, because I'm pretty sure like with Instagram's algorithm and all that, the people who arrive at the top of your story, like when you look to see who views it, the people at the top are people who interact with you the most. And then as you keep going down, people who interact with you the least are at the bottom. And this girl that I have a crush on is close to the top. Either that or it means that I'm on her profile a lot, so they show her close to the top. But I do like these stories that are longer, partly because I like them and I like having fun with it. And like since Snapchat is falling out of favor, unfortunately, like I'm doing more stuff that I used to do on Snapchat on Instagram. But I'm doing like these like maybe like five story long stories just to see if she'll like fuck with it and if she actually like likes me enough to look at my story all the way through. And so far it's been pretty good and she's been liking it or not liking it, but she's been viewing it pretty early. Like if I post it and I check back in 45 minutes, she'll have looked at it. Of course, looking at your story doesn't mean you actually paid attention. She could have just skipped all the way through, but I know that she's replied to my story a couple of times now and we've dm'd a couple of times now so i think that she's actually listening but it's crazy that that's how i'm doing it like i feel like 25 years ago people are just you know like would call them on the phone and talk to them in real life and here i am in 2019 thinking that maybe a girl likes me because she looks at my instagram story but um That's what I've been doing, basically heat checking to see how good I am with her and if she actually likes my stories and is actually watching my stories. She hasn't DM'd me since I talked about the DM the last time. So I don't know if she like thinks it's so funny or she thinks I'm funny or actually strike that. I know that she thinks I'm funny because she said so. I what I don't know is if she thinks I'm handsome. That's what I don't know. She could think I'm ugly. That's possible. But she does think I'm funny, but I don't know if she thinks that everything I do is funny, if that makes sense. Um, So that's where I'm at with that. And also, I'm like trying to restrain looking at her stories. Like I'm trying not to look at her stories right away. But Instagram, like they know. Like, they know who you have a crush on before you do. Because of their fucking algorithm, they'll put their stories first on your feed. So you click on it first, like immediately after they post it. And I'm not trying to look that thirsty. So I'm, you know, using all the willpower I have not to click on her story 
immediately after she posts it so that um, I don't seem that way. But I wonder how high I am on her list. Like, does she know that I'm high on her list? Because she's high on my list. Like, when I look on my story, it says her name, like, in the top three or four. So I don't know if when she looks at her story, sees who views it, if my name is on the top of her list. I don't know that. But I do know that I don't want to seem desperate. (laughs) So that's crazy. But I was also like, when she, when you like look at people's profiles, like, have you ever like scrolled down all the way to the bottom and like seen when they were kind of ugly? Like, I feel like people like, not like people who like I was actually serious about, but like people who like are attractive now, like you'll scroll through their profile and you'll see a point when they were like kind of ugly, right? Because like we all have like rough middle school phases rough, you know, ninth, 10th grade. And eventually we glow up, we blossom into something, you know, better than what we were. We improve, you know, maybe we like learned how to use makeup or maybe we, um, we, you know, got better skincare routines. You know, we started, you know, you know, taking care of ourselves in different ways. You know, we look better than what we used to do, right? But for her, for this girl I currently have a crush on, very much so. She has never been ugly. Like, I looked down her profile, and she's, like, never been ugly. Like, how fucking crazy is it? How have you never been ugly? How have you, your whole life, just been, like, good? Like, even, like, your awkward phase is, like, cool compared to other awkward phases. Like, for a lot of people, like, their middle school phase, like, even people who, like, were popular and cool in middle school, they were still fucking ugly. We just didn't know. But we were all ugly in middle school. Thank God those teachers didn't just roast us on the spot. Because we were all ugly little people in middle school. Um, But her, with her Instagram profile, and of course maybe, you know, she chooses not to post those pictures. But you have never been ugly. How is that possible? How is it possible that you've never been ugly? I feel like most of us have been ugly. Am I wrong about that? Are people just, you know, not ugly? Like, casually? You're just casually not ugly? Like, I was casually ugly. Like, I'm okay now. But I'm, like, casually okay still. Like, I'm not casually good-looking. If, I, if you think I'm good-looking, it's because I put some some type of work in. But just never been ugly. She's never been ugly. It's insane. Like, I, I scroll through. I've only done this, like, once. Don't think I'm scrolling through every day. But I scroll through, and it's like, yo, 2015, pretty. 2014, pretty. 2013, still pretty. It's like, what? How? How? How is that possible? It It's crazy. Um... But yeah, that's where I'm at right now. I am trying to keep my composure and not look at stories right away. While at the same time, posting long stories to see if she's fucking with my stories. And then maybe one day this will be, you know, discourse that happens in real life. But you can't count on that nowadays. In the age of Tinder and Bumble and Grindr, 
You can't count on that nowadays. But I was told that like, you know, replying to Instagram stories can be seen as flirting. And if that's the case, I haven't been taking it extremely that way. And that may have been a mistake, but we'll see how it goes from there. Um, but anyway, I am going to take a break because I have to pee and then I'm going to come back and it'll hopefully be seamless because I'm just good at editing. Um, but if not, it won't be seamless and I'm sorry, but I'm taking a break now. And we are back. Um, I went pee. It was very good. And now I'm going to talk about politics. I know it's politics, but I have to talk about it because, you know, shit's happening. Because right now, as I'm recording, it is June, which is Pride Month, which is sexual orientation other than straight month, you know, um... And there's lots of pride parades and all that stuff. And, you know, you should be proud of who you are. You should, you know, discuss, you know, the issues that you face, bring them more mainstream and hopefully, you know, push forward to a better society in the long run. But recently there's been talks of a straight pride parade and pride parades are usually, you know, gay pride parades or like other sexual orientation parades and a straight pride parade, I believe in Boston, has been, um, you know, announced and is going to happen. And it's crazy because I don't see how you can organize a straight pride parade 
and not be uh, homophobic. Um, I feel like the people who claim that like straight pride or I'm proud to be straight is like rooted in like your homophobia, at least in some level, just because like as a straight person, like people assume that you're straight, right? At least in America, in America, like we assume that people are straight until proven otherwise. That's why coming out of the closet is such a big deal to people because people know operate as if everyone is straight when everyone is not straight. And because people operate in a way that they assume that everyone is straight until proven otherwise, there's no need for a straight pride parade because a lot of shit in America and elsewhere is catered towards straight people already. You don't need a straight pride parade as like a gay pride parade, a lesbian, a transgender, a bisexual, an asexual, a pansexual. You don't need a pride parade for straight people because everyone everywhere already acknowledges straight people. Like just think about movies for a second. Think about movies. How many movies depict heterosexual relationships? Probably most of them. How many movies depict homosexual relationships, same-sex relationships? A lot less, right? There's a lot less representation in that avenue. We, we consume media, movies, TV, books, where straight relationships are at the forefront. Straight sex is at the forefront. So when people who have been marginalized because of their sexuality and because of their expression decide that we say, fuck it, we're going to throw a parade because we are people too and we deserve to have our stories heard. For you to say, no, 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 we're having a straight pride parade too in the name of quote unquote equality, it seems like you're rooted in homophobia because um, you're kind of shutting down this one thing, this one month out of the 12 months of the year that we have, you know, pride parade and we have rainbow flags everywhere. It seems to be rooted in your own. I don't understand how you can do that, do something like a straight pride parade and then also say like we are not homophobic. I feel like your your homophobia is out on the forefront. On the one on the other hand, a sh- straight pride parade has all the homophobes in one area. So we know all the homophobic people out there because they went to the straight pride parade. I don't know how if this is actually going to materialize because most people, including straight people, have denounced the straight pride parade, including the band Smash Mouth, who, it, like, they go crazy on Twitter, Smash Mouth does. And, like, as a Bay Area sports fan, like, they defend Bay Area sports in a cringeworthy way. But overall, I fuck with Smash Mouth, you know? I just, like, they could cool it down with the sports talk or whatever, or the trash talk, because I don't think they're particularly good at that. But for everything else, I fuck with Smash Mouth. Um, they're, they're cool with me. But, yeah, straight pride parade, no bueno. No, 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 no bueno for me. It's a big yikes for me. Um... I also kind of wanted to talk about political candidates, like the presidential race and all that stuff. But really, all I want to say about this is how many of us actually think that we can be president? 
Like, legitimately. Like, I have no interest in wanting to be president anymore. Like, I remember, like, as a kid, like, people tell you, like, oh, you could be president one day. I could see you being the president. You were voted most likely to be president in high school or something like that. But I feel like for a lot of people, that desire fades away because you realize that you're not willing to take on that much work, first of all. You're not willing to campaign, second of all. And three, you're not that arrogant. Like, it takes a lot of arrogance, I think, to be president. Like, you have to say, look, I can fix this entire country in four years, a country with 300 million people, and I can do that in four years. I think that that, that's kind of pompous, is it not? That takes great hubris to think that you can do that. And it's not the same as running for like local office or even running for senator because you're doing things on a much smaller scale. President is over all that shit. And I don't think most of us have that that boldness in us. Um, and I was thinking about like Mayor Pete Buttigieg because he was just on uh, Desus and Mero. And I was in like, Mayor Pete is the mayor of... South Bend, Indiana. Let me see the population of South Bend. I don't know the population of South Bend, Indiana. I just know I think that's where Notre Dame is, um, the college. Um, let's see. South Bend, Indiana has a population of 102,000, which is about the same population that my city has. And if you're like, you're a mayor of It does say here that South Bend is the fourth largest city in Indiana, but overall, 100,000 people in a city is not that much. And you think that, like, as the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, I'm good in Indiana, I can run the whole country. It seems like, wow, like, you must really think highly of yourself. You have to really say that I'm better than all of these pieces of shit in order to say that I can be president of the united states it's crazy to me to think that like i understand more i guess this is why there's an age you know limit to being president or a minimum age Like i can understand people who like have been in the grind and they're like 50 years old and they want to be president but mayor pete is technically like a millennial i think i'm a millennial but i'm like that baby end of millennial mayor pete is like 37 so he's probably like the back end of a millennial. And he's like, yo, I can run for fucking president if I want to. And no one's going to stop me. I don't think Mayor Pete's going to win. Pete Buttigieg. Um, but it's just crazy to think that like I've, it's almost like insanity. If you think about it, it's like, yo, let me run everyone, even though everyone is different and different states have different needs. Like, just saying that, you know, I can be president is kind of crazy to me. And I don't know if everyone else feels, like, similarly about that. But I just think, like, I don't want to be president ever. Like, not only that, but, like, presidents have to, like, bomb people. And I don't want to bomb people ever. And presidents, you know, you're always going to be kind of unpopular. Because if you're a Democrat, then Republicans aren't fucking with you. If you're a Republican... Democrats aren't fucking with you. If you're independent, nobody fucks with you because you don't take any fucking sides. Just sit on a fence all fucking day, all up in your ass cheeks. But 
I I don't know. I couldn't be president. I don't. I actually like when I was in college, I was working in the kitchen, and one of the chefs said that I could be president, and I I would still take that as a compliment today. But I have no interest in being fucking president. Absolutely fucking not. Oh my god. Um. <clears throat> but anyway. We have to talk about more YouTube controversy. I thought I got away from it. I thought I did. Um, there was a drama, a, a YouTube drama with a dude named KSI who like was um, like the biggest dude in Britain and his brother named Deji or JJ or something like that. And they were beefing and I didn't touch that at all. I don't want to because they were both black also. And I don't want to, you know, contribute to the downfall of my fellow black men and in any way, shape or form. But I was like, I'm not touching that. I don't want to know about it. I'm not watching any videos. James Charles has ruined my, you know, controversy, you know, threshold. I thought I was done with this. But then on Twitter, a guy named Carlos Maza, who works for Vox, I believe, um, and his Twitter name is Gay Wonk, G-A-Y-W-O-N-K. That's important for the story, I'm pretty sure. But he was saying that, like, yo, YouTube does not give a fuck about gay people. Steven Crowder is a conservative, and he's, you know, sending targeted harassment towards me. And me as a gay Latino man is, you know, being targeted by Steven Crowder and other people like me or like him are hating on me and YouTube doesn't give a fuck about this abuse. Basically what he was saying. And I've heard of Steven Crowder and I already do not like Steven Crowder, right? I've seen a Steven Crowder video before and I didn't like it. I'm not conservative in the slightest. So I took the action. I remember this is years ago. I saw a Steven Crowder video. I took the action to tell YouTube to not recommend any of Steven Crowder videos to me. I already don't like this guy. I don't want to see this guy in my recommended feed. I don't like these videos. So I haven't seen a Steven Crowder video in a while, but I know that I don't like this dude. And from what I've seen, he hasn't changed. And Steven Crowder was calling, you know, Carlos Maza lispy and calling him, um, I don't know if it's right for me to say this, but he was calling him, this is Steven Crowder's words, not mine, um, calling Carlos Maza a queer, stuff like that, right? And I guess I can't say that because we have a whole show called Queer Eye, and it's okay to say that. But I always get, like, confused when, like, people who reclaim, like, slurs against their people, like, I always feel weird saying that. Like, if your name is, like, slur, and then your, like, birth name or something, like, or, like, your at name, like, there was a person, and I'll get back to the story in a second, but there was a person on Twitter who is Asian, and her her Twitter username is G-O-O-K, which is a slur, G-O-O-K, city. And I was like, I can't say your at name, your username, because that's a slur. I can't say that. <laughs> um, and I feel like, like there's um an interesting you no know, clash there. It's kind of like Wiz Khalifa who and I'm black so I can say the N word but I choose not to in like my videos and stuff just because um I choose not to, but I can. I just choose not to. Um but Wiz Khalifa had that album O N I F C which is only N word in first class. And it's it's the same like um 
conundrum I have. But anyway, Carlos Maza probably self-identifies as queer, self-identifies as gay. His username is at Gay Wonk. And I saw Steven Crowder's reaction to this. Because Steven Crowder, after this Twitter thread went viral, like... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was like, yeah, YouTube, you need to do something. YouTube responded. Steven Crowder, he had what I would call like willful or like purposefully obtuseness. That's probably not the right way to phrase that. He's purposefully obtuse, right? Because he was saying that like, you call yourself gay, so I think that I could call you a queer. That's not how that works, right? And it's not like... Your tone of voice matters also. And reclamation of a slur is something that's um, very complex and very difficult. And not all slurs get reclaimed. And, you know, just because one group reclaims it doesn't mean that everyone can use it. Like, I'll give an example. The N-word has been reclaimed by black people. I can say it. I'm choosing not to just for, you know, inclusivity sakes. But words that haven't been reclaimed, like... And I'm saying this as a black person trying to educate people like Jigaboo, like Moon Cricket. Those words haven't been reclaimed. So if you call a black person a Moon Cricket, you are extra racist because you have to search into Wikipedia to get that one. But reclamation is a different type of thing. And just because one person says they are something, if it's a racial slur, doesn't mean that you can repeat it if you're not part of that same group, right? So Steven Crowder, and I watched the whole verse, the whole video of Steven Crowder because I already don't like that dude. I'm already more on the side of Carlos Maza than Steven Crowder because I already don't like him. Yes, that's biased, but I don't give a fuck. I don't like that dude. So um, I he was being like purposefully obtuse in his like response video and his apology video. And I know people like Steven Crowder, they're always like, please debate me, please debate me. No one wants to debate you because you're like a fucking idiot. And like, I think Steven Crowder, if I'm like, no, accurate, labels himself as some sort of comedian. So if it is like trying to be funny, it's not working. And I find that with a lot of like conservative comedy, it doesn't come off as funny. It comes off as like just outright bigoted and racist but that's another story for another day but youtube responded saying that they can't delete steven crowder's video or his channel because they didn't follow the rules and people were saying that yes youtube it did break the rules and steven crowder should get punished but youtube isn't punishing him and from youtube's perspective they're probably thinking in their boardroom or whatever they have that they can't ban steven crowder because then they'll be concerned, like um, accused of being anti-conservative, anti-republican. They can't be that because if they don't, you know, support both sides, if they're not middle of the road, then you know people are gonna boycott their services. They're gonna lose money. They need liberal money. They need conservative money. They need all the fucking money. Like Mr. Crab says, I like money. So when they, when they say Steven Crowder didn't break the rules, even though from what I could tell, and again, I didn't dive too deep into this because I don't like Steven Crowder already, but from what I could tell, he did break the rules at least a little bit. It's at least a strike on the channel, right? Because what I did, 
years ago, I made a Tide Pod video and I got a strike on my fucking channel. And I had like 50 subscribers. So if I got a strike, then Steven Crowder, he could get a strike at least. But it doesn't seem like they're doing that. And it's definitely to save their own behind from being accused of being biased. But what's happening now is they're being accused of not giving a shit about LGBT people during Pride Month. And YouTube is headquartered in the Bay Area. Not a good look for YouTube in the slightest. But, oh, excuse me. But yeah, I'm definitely not on Steven Crowder's side in the slightest. But it's just something that's crazy. And people are saying it's like going to ruin like the ad revenue on YouTube. It's going to cause an ad apocalypse, what they're saying, where like advertisers pull out of YouTube or they pull out of conservative content content it happened once before and it could happen again and that they're saying that vox is trying to censor conservative content i don't know too much about that but i do know that conservative views of censorship and liberal views of censorship are not the same whatsoever and banning someone from a platform is not the same as like restricting freedom of speech because freedom of speech only applies to getting like arrested and persecuted not you know, kicked off of Twitter or YouTube. So we'll see how it goes from there. But I'm definitely not on Steven Crowder's side. I basically want to talk about this to say that I don't like Steven Crowder. Um, But also YouTube being middle of the road is kind of annoying. Like people who are middle of the road, I know it's cool to, you know, hear both sides or whatever the fuck you want to say. But I found that taking the middle of the road like YouTube seems to be doing and what some people seem to be doing just pisses people off more. Like, the fact that you're unwilling to take a side makes you more irritating than someone who who takes the side opposite of you. But that's what YouTube seems to be doing. But anyway, I'm not good at transitioning at all. But anyway, last thing I want to talk about is TV. Because as I'm recording this, a show that I liked starring Natalie Morales called Abby's got canceled after one season. And another show that I did not watch, Whiskey Cavalier, got canceled after one season. And it made me sad to see Abby's get canceled because I liked it. And I thought that it really got better as the season progressed and it got funnier as the season progressed. And even my dad like kind of laughed out loud at it. And he doesn't laugh out loud a whole lot at TV. Um, but I, I say that to say, even with a show I don't watch, like Whiskey Cavalier, I would say that TV needs more than one season before being canceled. I understand that like time is money and all that. But if I was, you know, a TV executive... I would give every show that I approve two seasons because the first episode of any show usually is shit. The first episode, the pilot episode sucks usually. And then you go and you, you know, get the actors get used to each other. The show progresses and it eventually gets better. And by the second season, you really know what you have. And I think canceling shows after wrong one season is the wrong way to do things. And especially a show like Abby's, which I don't think got promoted a whole lot by NBC, which was the, the network that it was on. Um, I found it because I was watching Santa Clarita Diet 
And after that show got canceled, I saw Natalie Morales, Wikipedia at her, saw that she was in the show, started watching it. But yeah, I just think that TV deserves more than one season. Like you can cancel it after two seasons, but I feel like one season isn't enough to see if you actually have a good show or not. Um, but again, I know ratings are everything and I'm not an actor or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just that's just how I feel about it. But anyway, last thing we're going to do today, we're going to talk about another podcast. This is Holly Randall Unfiltered. Holly Randall is a porn producer, photographer, artist. She's not a porn star. She doesn't do porn. She does like the behind the scenes stuff. And yes, I'm talking about another porn episode or podcast, which I said I was going to do. I, I DP'd you. Um, and this is like the, 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 the second DP. But this is more of an interview podcast with Holly Randall, who's been in the industry with a lot of porn stars, a lot of, um, you know, producers, directors. And again, I don't really know porn directors or anything like that. I'm not that into porn directors like to know that and I do think that a lot of porn is like the parts of porn that I don't watch are probably like catered to people who are more perverted than me like have you ever seen a porn and they're like the the cameraman is interviewing the girl and asking them all those such questions and like he's touching her boobs in a weird way that stuff is not for me I skip straight through all that interview bullshit because I don't need that um but the directors, like the porn stars, going behind the scenes, getting the nitty gritty, talking about ethical porn. And I'm still not entirely sure what makes a porn unethical or ethical. But I do know in preparation for this episode, I watched a porn and it was with like not a mainstream actress. And it started off regular and like a blowjob scene and all that. And then they actually showed her putting the condom on the guy. And then after they got the condom on, they, you know, finish the the porn. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, is this what they mean by ethical porn? Crazy. Um, but they talk about that and like paying for porn and all that stuff and all the nitty gritty stuff. It does get kind of gross, but it is also educational in a way that like it's also kind of critici- criticizing feminism in a way. Not saying that feminism is bad, but people who are against porn, against porn stars and sex work- workers in the name of feminism is a little bit misguided in this podcast point of view. And I have to say, after listening to it, I can't disagree. I have to agree. Um, but it's really interesting to see like the porn star or the director or like a porn star journalist, a porn journalist. The one I listened to most recently was from a journalist, like Holly Randall was interviewing a journalist. And um, I w- it was really, you know, insightful and informational and they're talking about like other episodes talk about like positions and what's good and what's not and how to, you know, direct the scene or photography, the artistic value that comes with porn and with photography and with filmography, which brings me back to like what I was saying earlier, how like um, when I don't watch a full video, a full porn, it's like someone worked hard on that whole film and I don't even acknowledge it. Um, and I can't say I'm going to continue to watch 30 minutes of porn. Like I said, I don't have that kind of time, but some people do. Um, some people, you know, have that shit downloaded on their computer. Um, 
Also, I saw like someone on Twitter had like six porn apps on their phone and like he posted it on Twitter proudly. Like, bro, just go on Safari on the iPhone for free. But um, it was an interesting podcast. Definitely if you're interested in a different side of porn and because girls on porn is about watching porn and there's lots of history about different like subjects and topics in porn, but it's about watching porn. Holly Randall Unfiltered is about what goes on behind the scenes of porn and the issues that porn stars and the porn industry faces. Like they talk about how porn actresses get deleted on Instagram a whole bunch and like how politics plays a role in these things. So it's very interesting, very insightful. Again, sometimes kind of gross because porn and sex and all those things are kind of gross sometimes but we still like it anyway like even kissing is kind of gross if you think about it and like you know um oral sex and all that stuff it's all kind of gross but we do it anyway you know why because of love and marriage but um it is interesting i give it like a 7.5 maybe teetering on 8 out of 10 for holly randall unfiltered and um yeah I really enjoy it, and maybe you'll enjoy it too. And that's going to be all for now. I'm going to wrap this up because I've been talking for a while now, and I have other shit to do. Um, But thank you for watching or listening wherever this goes. Um, This is probably going to be on YouTube and Anchor and all those things, and I'll figure out where I'm going to host this podcast after I record this podcast, so it might not be up for a minute. But thank you for listening, watching on YouTube, rating, subscribing, all that good stuff. Um, Please be safe. Love you. Goodbye.